1: Hey guys, what's up? It's Josh. It is uh, Monday the 26th. The second of two episodes coming out today is this one with comedian and uh, online Twitter friend Matt Savage. I've been trying to have Matt on for a long time. Uh, he's one of my good buddies from the East Coast. Uh, we chat quite a bit via Twitter and jump into all kind of messes and stuff over there and talk a lot of shit. And it's fun. Uh, you know, if you don't follow me on Twitter, I can't imagine you're listening to this, but you don't follow me on Twitter because that's preposterous that's where all my best shit is so this this is like this podcast is like an accessory to the conversation that's already happening on twitter so you better get with the times it's been the hot shit since 2008 2009 and you know the best thing about uh twitter if you don't know this is that you can whatever career you're in you can end it immediately with (laughs) sharing your opinions on twitter Which we talk about a little bit in this episode. Um, Some of you guys may know I was working with some friends on a startup uh, advertising agency. And uh, we talk about the fate of that or that endeavor a little bit on this episode. Uh, Spoiler alert, I'm no longer with this uh, agency or working with these guys. And the reason, if you've been following along, uh, is kind of the same as always. Uh, It boils down to, um, at the end of the day, places I don't like to, you know, places that I work ultimately sort of seem to have this issue with the fact that I'm a comedian and, you know, say fucked up things for the purposes of being funny and sometimes say fucked up things for the purposes of being uh, truthful Um, and talking about political shit and everything else. And listen, like, you know the whole guise of this business as we built it, as you heard me talk about on interview after interview was, this was going to be this sort of anti-cancel culture thing. And lo and behold, uh, at the end of the day, the guys uh, that I was working with or partnered with cared more about uh, the possibility of the business being canceled uh, because of what I'm doing on Twitter. So, you know, I could, I call the whole thing completely fucking hypocritical and, say that, you know, it part of the reason I walked away was because at the very core of what the mission of the business was supposed to be. Everybody abandoned ship. Sure, I could say that. But who am I to drag anyone into the mud? Um but yeah, so here we are, uh back to the drawing board. You know, and listen, let, let me be one thing very clear. Like anybody who's kind of followed along with my story and everything I've been through, you know, fighting for a comedian's right, not to be taken seriously, fighting for the right to sort of have your own life outside of your workplace um, and being able to share your thoughts and ideas and opinions and not just jokes and silly shit, but even your political beliefs without persecution. I've sacrificed so fucking much for that battle that I am not walking away from it for any job anytime soon for any amount of money. I've already lost too much uh, for, for the, especially when there's not like money in hand. I could see if somebody was coming to me and being like, Hey dog, we're going to pay for your fucking everything forever. Um, and then I would like go, cool. Sounds great. But it's every, everybody wants you to fucking give it up and, and like not talk about shit online and basically sell out your entire fucking persona for the potential promise of some money in the future, like with no leverage, no nothing. And uh, sorry, I'm not going to do that. That's not, that's not in my blood, man. It's like, if you want me to sell out, fucking write a check. You know, it's like, everybody wants you to stop being yourself for free and uh, they don't want to pay you to be anybody else. They just want to have control. They just want to dictate what you can and can't do they just uh, this whole world now we live in is just people trying to regulate your freedoms um because they're too fucking cowardly to exercise their own so it is what it is uh it's a pretty savage episode my buddy matt savage enjoy it guys I i hope you like it hello darkness my old friend There's two ways to see things like in the world. One is to try to find a way to laugh at it. And the other is to just live a miserable existence where you're unhappy about everything. What the fuck is that? You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. (laughs) (laughs) That seems really
0: dark. No, no, it's not dark. You're misunderstanding me, bro.
1: This is gonna get dark for people no god please no do you think that anybody that does enjoy dark comedy that it's indicative of a deeper evil i'm in the dark here yeah. you understand
0: i'm in the dark all
1: right cool the thing that sucks about twitter bands is that You know, they never want to give you specific information on why they did a ban. And so you're kind of like, uh, in a lot of cases, stuck to trying to figure it out yourself. Occasionally, you'll get like, uh, the worst I've ever gotten is I've seen people report tweets. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll send me a thing of like, this tweet was reported. And, you know this it's under review or you can take it down. I've, you know, what's weird is of all the crazy shit I've tweeted and like offensive jokes and everything over the years. The only tweet I ever had to take down was the Billy Eilish, Michael Jackson one. Do you remember that tweet? uh, Vaguely, vaguely. Yeah. I just said, Billy Eilish's music is so terrible that we should have let Michael Jackson have as many children as he needed to keep (laughs) making music. (laughs) <laughs> which is obviously a fucking joke. But the, the funny thing uh, is, is like all her fans came after me and were like, he's pro pedophilia. And it's like, <laughs> no, I'm fucking pro comedy making a joke about how bad her music is. You and, just you made know. another Billy Eil- Eilish joke. Did you? It wasn't just even don't... a Billy Eilish joke. It was, I was making a, this is why people are fucking retarded. I was making a self deprecating fat joke because, <laughs> uh, Scotchy Cool, uh, I think I'm saying her name right, wrote this article about stop calling like chunky regular women brave, which is kind (laughs) of funny because she did it under the guise of like um, almost like making it more tolerant and acceptance, but it's actually kind of a very anti woke concept. Is like, yeah, stop calling chunky girls brave. That's just normal and you should stop sensationalizing it. So I just said if if uh, if her body makes her brave, then mine makes me a 911 fireman. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then at this point, I'm going to stop working out. There's really no right. point anymore. I'm
2: just going to start eating what I want if that's the case, if that's being brave. <laughs> you As I eat a donut while you – yeah. you eat a donut. And you train jujitsu. Like, yeah, I just literally starred myself and ate like three chicken breasts. You were here eating a donut. No, like Twitter. Yeah, fuck it. I'm a here. I'm an American hero.
1: I don't know what your problem fuck is. Fuck yeah,
2: dude. You're a fireman, dude. Put you on a calendar. Like, and then you like, laugh. The maybe is, I
1: should maybe I should make like a sexy calendar. I got so. Dude, many Big a bone fans. gingers are in, man. Big bone gingers just are a, in. Just a just the thick just bear cub calendar. Just the 12 months of me. Just uh, the, and, yeah, I'm, dude, just hairy red, like fire chest and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the thing on Twitter, different like, sexy, sexy scenarios for my birthday month, August. I just spread asshole. <laughs>
2: like you're just like the Burt Reynolds uh, layout from the seventies when he did that spread, and I mean full spread. Yeah, fully. I mean somebody, yeah. somebody actually uh, back a few years, like ten years ago, it was uh, when I was uh, stationed in Texas. Um, they, they, they literally took in my shower. I was gonna. I got home and took a shower. My buddies took that spread and put it in my shower. And then my supervisors came over and were looking at me like, dude, what the fuck? You know, and back then it was don't ask, don't tell. Right. So, but yeah, like, I, Twitter's one of those things, man. It's like when you mess up, it's like when your parents, you know, you're in trouble and you're like, and they're yelling at you not to do something. And you're like, but why? And they're like, because I said so. That's why? That's Twitter, in a nutshell.
1: Twitter, um... Twitter in a roundabout way has been the only thing that has ever made me quit jobs or be fired from jobs in my entire employment history Mm -hmm. in a roundabout way. So I've had, I've lost two jobs because of Twitter controversies that came out from me being a comedian. Yeah. And I just walked away from uh, another company and I won't get into the whole details everything where a place where I was working and doing stuff recently with a couple of buddies Mm-hmm. Because I, w- I just got tired of having conversations about what I do as a comedian on Twitter. I mean, you know, it's like yeah. it, th- this is uh, – I'm going to do – I think I'm going to do like a PSA type video or like a video cover letter right. and just put it on my LinkedIn and say, listen, if you want to work with me, mm-hmm. here, Google me first, right? Right. Like don't even fucking call me for an interview right. unless you Google me first and you get the fact that I'm a comedian and I'm going to say fucked up things in the guise of being a comedian. That's how you fight back. That's how you fight yeah. back. Like, I think that, like, that's how you start saying, hey,
2: listen, I'm sick of your, sh- your shit, Twitter. And listen, this is who I am as a person. This is wh- what what my my thoughts and feelings are. And in a world where social media is so scrutinized, like, I think the employers should have, should know, like, listen, what we're getting with this guy, we should already know. But also, like, Why censor yourself, man?
1: Just you tell. You need to tell them like this is this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Well, it becomes a slippery slope, right? And this is like this is kind of like related to you know. Without going into a ton of detail, one of the 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 legal case I'm in right now pertains to one of these companies I work for, and you know the the tricky thing that companies are running into now that they're going to find out about is you know you're bordering on um, you're very much bordering on. Um, a violation of civil rights because yeah. let's see if I'm making comedy, right. Mm. Uh, and I'm doing something satirical and I'm poking fun of a public figure. That's one thing. But if I'm poking, if I'm making a joke that is from my perspective as somebody who is pro-life yeah. uh, and anti-abortion, yeah. um, then that, that borders on protected political speech. And, right. You could take it a degree further. And if, you know, I'm not a super religious guy, but if it were something that were related to my religion, then if you fire me for making an anti abortion joke on Twitter, vis a vis, you're kind of firing me for my religious beliefs. And so companies are going to have to start learning that this becomes a slippery slope, right? Because yeah. all like perfect example is let's say a, a woman working for a place posts something about only fans and body positivity. And all of a sudden they go, we don't like that messaging. We don't like that out there. We think it's too provocative. We we're going to let you go. Yeah. Next thing you know, you find out that girl's a lesbian and the thing that she was posting was pertaining to her sexual orientation yeah. or sexual identity. And so, The companies are going to, what they're going to do is they're going to pay, you know, a million pounds of flesh, uh, metaphorically speaking, that they're going to get sued into oblivion. And then eventually when enough of these happen, uh, companies are going to realize like, we don't give a fuck what's on your social media. We can't afford to. And if you have stuff on your social media that pertains to our business, where maybe you're you're, you're sharing trade secrets or patents or or proprietary information, then that's one thing because that's just like stealing from work. But we we have to get to a point in this country where you are allowed to be an individual outside of work. This big sure. brother shit of we're gonna force you to conform yeah. by by putting consequences attached to any uh freedom of expression that are so dire that it will just suppress your urge to say anything divergent, that's mm. not that's not a free country, man. No,
2: it's not in you know, every company has a mission statement, you, as you know, anybody who's worked in uh, uh, in the you know workforce at all. Every company has a mission statement and every company seems like every company corporation has an agenda. But you have to make sure that you're what you're saying on social media aligns with their agenda and their mission statement. And if you don't, that's not. Oh, now now you're in trouble. But like, oh, wait. So. That's okay if I I disagree with you. If I disagree with you, so now you fire me. So like it's a real slippery slope. And like what? Where can we come to a point and say, hey, look, listen, look, just because I work for your company and like I sometimes I disagree with your your mission statement or your your set of ideals. At what point can we say, like, listen, it's cool that you you know you believe in all that, but look, you know, we'll let you be an individual but it doesn't reflect you can say it doesn't reflect my views does not reflect on this company and we haven't come to that yet and i'm just wondering like when the fuck will that happen
1: well it's a good question i mean i you know i, I think it's going to take a lot of lawsuits and shit before companies start realizing like we just can't be involved in who our people are outside of work and this this overreaching concept of you know well you're a representative of us of us 24/7 i mean cool then pay me 24/7 you That's can pay me saying. This, and this is the fucking argument I have with everybody everybody goes well you're a reflection of the company so you know I went through this when I was at food Network I went through this um, in in this last business endeavor it's like everyone wants to have this conversation with you about how what you do publicly reflects and affects their business right. fine pay me not to do it right pay me to do, if you want th- this is what I don't understand if you're saying, that social media influences are worth like 50 grand a campaign, 200,000 a campaign, whatever they're worth, right. To sell your product. If you're saying that my social media is so powerful that it can affect your brand. Then if you want to tell me what to say about it, pay me. And no, and everybody like everybody has this idea of like, if you work for them, they don't have to do that. If you're part of the company or you're involved in the business in some way that you're, Individual brand, your personal brand, now belongs to them at no additional expense, and that they get to control right. what gets distributed on that channel. Sorry, motherfucker. I told the Food Network if you want me to stop doing comedy and you guys don't want me to put shit on Twitter that you think is going to cause an unnecessary uh, backlash to the network, pay me. Right? You were paying me four grand an episode. All right, I made almost a hundred grand to do twenty-four episodes of television. It's pretty simple math. Yeah. If they wanted me to not do comedy at that time, I was like that's fine. You can pay me the 2 million dollars a year yeah. and uh put me like I'll do 100 episodes a year of of whatever fucking shows you want. I don't exactly. care, but and but no, I'm not no. I'm not going to silence the voice that got no. me a TV show in the first place. Um you know, for no money. Yeah. Like you're
2: like like you also on the other side of that though. You when you say i I, i'll be quiet or i'll change my my uh my beliefs i'll change my beliefs on paper uh for the right amount of money but like people are well you're selling yourself out it's like no i'm not selling myself out i'm it's about we're in this business to make money the Mm -hmm. days of i'm in this business for the love of the game it's over now we live in a capitalistic society like i understand that listen like musicians and comics we, we, you and I love to do the things we do to make people laugh. However, at the end of the day, or to put, or to
1: push buttons or make them think or what, whatever right. your motivation well, that, is. Well, even
2: that. At the end of the day, we want to profit off this
1: in a way that, you know, our
2: product becomes better. We start doing, I start doing, you know, actual shows and, Eventually, one day
1: theaters and so on. (laughs) Well, the good thing is, Matt, nobody's doing actual shows right now because there are no actual shows. There are
2: no actual shows. They're starting to get around to it here in Maryland because I think we're like one the Nate the state with the lowest least amount of uh, cases or whatever. So they're kind of letting things up. But yeah, but like even if I they they were opening up comedy clubs to a point where like they were letting open micros and actual paid comics and do you really want to go and sit in front of like five people because of the social distancing? Not really, not for me. You
1: know? No, I definitely don't want to.
2: No, I, I, I looked into it and I was like, you know,
1: having 50 people is
2: cool, but that's not a lot. But also then like social distancing, now it comes down to 10, but like at the end of the day, I'm in this to make a, a side, like a hustle for myself. And, you know, people are like, you sold out. Sure. Okay, cool. Like Metallica said once, uh, they're like, you know, you sold out and they're like, yeah, we sell out every show. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, and this is the thing I have when people are talking about like, oh, well that's selling out. It's to me it's really you're only selling yourself out if you're not getting what you think you're worth. Right. And so to me it's like I would have had no problem rewinding it back, right? I would have had no problem going back and doing um the Food Network show and continuing to do that um and and putting comedy on hold, like I would have yeah. not done stand up, I would have done whatever, you know. But if the price made sense, like the whole reason I did the show in the first place was to get a bigger audience sure. for standup. So if yeah. you're then telling me I can't do stand up or you don't want me to do it because you're afraid it's going um, to, you're afraid it's going to one second. Um, sorry. I'm just replying to someone, um, you know, if, if you're afraid it's going to have a negative impact on the thing, and you want me to just be Jimmy, you know, food show? No yeah. problem, no problem. Yeah. But the guys who are Jimmy Food Show, who were doing anywhere near the numbers I was doing, were making over twenty thousand an episode. They had producer credits on their show. They had ownership in their show, yeah. and so I was like, if you want me to do that and not do this creative, then you want to pay, be part of
2: creative process.
1: Yeah, then pay me to do this the right amount of money. Cause you know, you got a fucking, you got a sweetheart of a deal because I was an unknown guy. And then I bet on myself. I did a contract where I came in and said, I'll hit these numbers. And if we hit these numbers, we're going to renegotiate in a year. And we're going to, we're going to get me the contract that I think I, I'll earn. And you know, it's just so weird to me that um, the, then when you sort of call people out on that stuff and say, I was just tweeting this. Uh, when you call people out on that stuff and say, Yeah, listen, I'll sell out, but the price has to be right. Yeah, then they, they almost get like angry because, you know, you're like, you're you're putting them on there, you're like, it's not even about principle, it's about value. And people were so mad because Rogan sold sold out to
2: Spotify. And I was like, no, you don't understand. He's moving on to a giant, even bigger platform. And yeah. now he holds the cards to say and do whatever he wants. And I want to get to that place where it's like. Oh no, you want me? So you better be. I be. Able, I should be able to uh, say whatever I want. If you want me, and until we get to that, because like I don't think like well, I know I'm not there, but I want to get to that place where I can say I can make be my own boss without having to worry about being canceled.
1: Right. And
2: you know, and then saying like, listen, if but if you do, if you do want me to calm that shit down, fuck you. Pay me.
1: Right, and, and it's sort of like, l- listen, I, I think there's nothing wrong with the creative challenge of like uh, try to make this joke without making like using profanity or using this language or whatever. Anytime I've done like clean shows or whatever, they're good challenges. makes you become a better comedian. Sure. But um I've never done those for free. I've yeah. never gone in and been like, I'll do a clean show for free. like I yeah. never I, that's never been my thing. Like if you're huh. going to compromise, you're either doing exactly what you want. If you're going to compromise it in any way, there has to be a, ta- a what I would call a compromise tax. If you want me to compromise on my creative vision for myself and my career, then right. that costs you money. Yeah. Otherwise, just go do what I'm doing. And this is what I used to say to like this is what I say to managers and agents in the industry is like Listen, to some extent, if you could do what I do, you'd be on my side of the table and not yours. Right. So. you're somebody who sells ideas uh, i'm somebody who has ideas mm-hmm. we can either work together or i will just figure out a way to sell the ideas that i have I- i'm but not gonna guys just
2: like you though deserve to be in that and the, the decision making process especially comics who we know what funny is and so for these days it seems like a lot of these Hollywood executives or guys, not even Hollywood, just anywhere all these executives they have they are literally no talent,
1: literally Well this is, this is, yeah, this is, the, this is the misconception about Hollywood executives. Everyone goes like, oh, they're all these like rich old white men. They're not. Almost yeah. every development executive in television is a woman under the age of 30, okay. Almost all of them. Okay. And so, yeah, most of them are white women. Most of them are very wealthy white girls who grew up, went to a good school. They went to fucking Vassar. They went to USC. They went to NYU. And they are now, you know, they might have worked in an agency for a little bit, but they'll they'll come in as a producer on a show that does well. And then they'll end up running the entire development for a network. And right. so, like... You look at, like, the women, and it's this way in comedy clubs, too. People don't realize, like, most of the gatekeepers in comedy are women. Yeah. And so when, when people talk about, like, there's this huge barrier to entry for women in comedy, no, the, the reality is most of them are women, and because they're women, they have a much higher standard of what they're going to accept from female comics. Right. And a lot of them think a lot of female comics are shit. Right. And yeah, so... That's, that's that's true, and that, I think I heard... uh. Who was saying this
2: on her podcast? I don't remember which female comedian, but they said the, the same exact thing. It's like, it's not that, you know, that that there's no competition or there's no female interest in doing comedy or they can't get in because they're being harbored by the patriarchy. Right. It's just that they, literally, it's about interest and it's also about, they all are, they're,
1: they suck. So. Yeah, there's a lot of redundancy, you know, and I think, um... I think the difficulty. Somebody put a real, like, put a really, really good spin on this, and I can't remember who said it. Um, and, and I wish I did, but um, uh, and it kind of pertains a little bit to what Ben Shapiro or Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro ben or or Jordan Peterson have talked about in the past about. Uh, part of the reason why women are paid less is not because of misogyny. It's because that they're more agree- agreeable and they're more likely to take the yeah. first deal that's kind of thrown at them versus mm-hmm. negotiating harder right. for a better deal. Men and so
2: negotiate more. I mean, most of us, you know, you know, there's awesome outliers, of course, but
1: yeah. And, and there are women that are bulls. Like you look oh, at, yeah. you look at like Tracy Tudor, the real estate agent on yeah. million dollar Listing. She's a fucking savage. Like yeah. if I was in the market of buying or selling a million dollar home, which I probably never will be. But if I was, um, that's the person I would want representing me because she's Absolutely. a pit bull, right? I mean, but, she, she's but but she's crazy. an outlier, but she's an outlier. Yeah. Like we like to hold women out like that because they're special and unique, but everyone can't be Tracy Tudor. No. everyone can't be, you know, Mark Cuban. And so yes. no. when you think about people that are really solid, hard negotiators, that's a unique skill. The same comes down to like Talented people. There is only ever gonna be one Dave Chappelle. There might be a handful of comics who get to that level. Same yeah. with women. There's only ever gonna be one Joan Rivers, and there might be, <laughs> you know, three or four that get close to her. I think Lisa Lampinelli was probably well, the closest thing we ever had Lisa to Joan Lampanelli Rivers. Lisa Lampinelli
2: was definitely she's I mean, I she's one of my influences, man. I I all those roasts she did. And I've had, you know, who's to say, like, I've had I had, you know, because I was raised by a mother and she had three sisters. So it was a very matriarchal family I grew up in. And so like I had female influences uh, as far as comedy goes, Uh, even the ones of today, like Whitney Cummings and, uh, and, and stuff like, so, but like Lisa Lampanelli, I was the first female. I was like, you know, I remember being a kid and being like, man, I had never heard a woman talk like that
1: yeah you know yeah it's amazing i mean and then that was for me i just grew up and that was all my sisters and my aunts they all talked like that so Uh, you know when i when i met regular women i was like what the fuck are these these wait exactly like uh, what are these (laughs) prim
2: proper women my mother was a very prim like proper southern woman so when i heard and her sisters were too so when i heard like you know, it, well, it took me to join the military to find out there are a lot of women out there who are got like foul mouse, And but then, like you know, yeah. every, everyday woman, but like Lisa Lampanelli, I was just like, she's saying things that like you don't ever hear women talking about. Like when, I never heard my, you know, thank God, uh, <laughs> my, like my my aunts talking about their vagina. You know, yeah, she comes up she's talking about you know, fucking black dudes and like, and, oh yeah, she was she I was, was like, hardcore. What,
1: what, what Lisa was hardcore, man. She was great, and yeah, and the a gangster dude. She was a gangster, and for I, me, I, but for me, the opposite culture shock happened because I grew up on the East Coast, and all the all women that I grew up around kind of talked like that. And then I moved to Minnesota to the I Midwest. In and I figured that out. Yeah, when I moved to Minnesota in high school, I was like, "What do you mean you don't curse or fuck?"
2: My no, like, my, wife, my wife. My wife's Maryland.
1: My wife's from Maryland, and
2: she's like, she talks just like a, cusses like a sailor, you know. Yeah, that's That's how, she's like, that's how I grew up, you know.
1: Yeah, it's a very sort of kind of uh, it's a very doggy dog kind of cutthroat culture, and I miss it. I miss it some days. This, and this is what I'll say: the difference is, I like I, I'll shit on Philly where I'm from, and I'll shit on yeah. people like Baltimore, the East Coast. Um, but I will say this: uh, I would rather be stabbed in the face than in the back. And yeah, the one absolutely. thing I love about people on the East Coast is that, like, if they're rude. They're at least deliberately rude to your face. They don't do it in this pussy, passive aggressive no. California way. I was gonna say this too, it's like that
2: whole southern hospitality. That's not real. That doesn't yeah. exist. You it's know fake. why? Because it's a fake ass nice. Like it's like, oh, the the phrase here's a phrase. Oh, bless your heart. That yeah. means you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, and exactly. They're stab you literally in the back and you will be like your best friend and then talk shit behind your back. Well, whoa, whoa, what a piece of shit he is. And be like, oh, you know, bless his heart or whatever. Yeah. And like, I like it here when I moved here the first time, because I am I grew up in Mississippi, but also lived in Texas. So I was used to everybody waving at each other and shaking hands and high-fiving and whatever, being nice and smiling. And I thought that was real until I got to Maryland. And this was, this is the most really shit. And I was like, I will not trade this for anything. I'd rather, like, I literally first time interaction I with a person from, like, Baltimore, I waved at them in passing, they flipped me off. At the time, I was like, man, what did I ever <laughs> do to that guy? Then I'm like, you know what? I don't flip me off, too, after living here for 10 years. Like, who the fuck is your problem? Who do you think you are? <laughs> the you're
1: the right, exactly. Dude. Yeah, there's this very sort of, like, you think you're better than me default yeah. mentality for people on the East Coast, which... Why are you happy? You have no reason to be happy. It's bitter, it's cold. Fuck yeah. Me, you know? Yeah, and I think that's, I think that is, like, the... You know that's kind of like the East Coast West Coast thing has always been that way in stand up. And yeah. the weird thing is, like, it's almost like the the East Coast mentality of stand up comedy is no longer represented in the audiences. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and and I feel I feel like that's not true because if you go, like you go to a Legion of Skank show or you go to like a Nick DiPaolo show, those yeah. fucking people come out in droves. And even still, like the old school guys like Norton who yeah. used to be on ONA all the time, like they still draw the, that audience out. And a lot of those yep. people are like, you know, 30 to 60. Yeah. Um, but the younger audience skews very sort of West coast, very PC, very, you know, fucking Tim gay, Dillon draws, very gay. You know, Tim like, Dillon
2: draws out the assholes from New York. He, he's yeah. very good at that. Like he's uh, one of the ones that I've been watching and he's just so in your face unapologetically. His videos are insanely funny. Yeah. Uh and like a couple of other guys, like like Luis uh, Gomez, yeah. Like there uh and even like Big J, um, who like my favorite thing about him is he likes to do the crowd work. Um, and then Schultz, like New York comedy, I think took a big dip for a while, and I think it's kind of coming
1: back. Well, I think it I don't know if it necessarily took a dip, but where it kind of got uh where it sort of there was sort of just like a generational fall-off between yeah. the Patrice, Geraldo, Colin Quinn. Oh, yeah. Jim Norton generation, uh, the Attell generation, and then this new generation, and it just kind of took the new... And you know what it was? It wasn't even their fault. It's because Hollywood and Comedy Central used to have their arms around the New York guys and really used to push them. Yeah. Like if you remember, like Colin Quinn had Tough Crowd, yeah, Adele does. had Insomniac. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure there are other ones. I mean, Geraldo had uh his show for a while. I can't yeah. remember what it was, but it was like a, a like a court show. Mm. Um, you know, they loved Patrice. They put Patrice on everything. So, um, they they loved Burr. Burr was on Chappelle's show a ton. Mm. Um, so. It was this weird thing of like when the new regime came in and Comedy Central pivoted and became very alt comedy and very LA, where yeah. um, you know they they this pivot happened right around when I moved to LA, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and the guys getting specials were a lot of the Midwestern dudes that I had started with. So it was like it pivoted, and instead of like the Geraldo kind of comics and the and the Patrice kind of comics getting specials, it became Kyle Kinane, it became. Kumail Nanjiani yeah, it became kind of quirky yeah. uh, and I wouldn't say uh, that Kaneen is like nerdy or quirky comedy no. but he, but he came out of that scene he came out of that alt scene and so like almost everyone that I started with uh got specials uh yeah. when I moved to LA like right around that time it was like uh Prescott Tolk uh Renée Gautier um you know, uh, T.J. Miller, Kumail, yeah. you know those kind of guys. Like the nerd, then the, a lot of the guys who started and did the Nerdist shows. Pete Holmes really yeah. blew up around that time. Had a late night show after Conan. So um, there was like this really, this real big push. And I don't say this to be offensive to those guys, but it was sort of like a real big push to demasculinize uh, comedy, okay. to to make it to find pussy men. And yeah. give them television exposure because there's like, there's, that makes comedy sense. was very alpha before that.
2: That makes sense. Cause like, I mean, I'm not, and I'm like, again, I'm not knocking these guys either. They
0: lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli, I guess. I in my dentist's office. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Their, their work is great. Like, um, is it, uh, uh Delaney?
1: Like he, he's, I mean, he's one of the, yeah. oh, you mean Rob, you mean Rob Delaney or John Mulaney, John Mulaney, John, John Mulaney. Mulaney. John yeah, Mulaney. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. John Mulaney. He's like, uh, he wears, you know, very, uh, a kind of effeminate, but like, you know, yeah, he's a very beta kind of guy, and that's his yeah, brand, right? But he's hilarious. Act, you know, and, I, and I get it. I get it. And it's like you look at that, and then you, that makes sense because I remember, like, even coming up, like, I don't know. It seemed like 10, 15 years ago. I'm like, I thought, you know, what happened to, like, like the comedy is kind of more like, I don't know. I was used, like you said, I grew up watching, like, you know, but Kenison and, uh, you know,
1: and coming up and – um I'm Bill Hicks and what well, you got to think it. about this. You got to think about it in cycles. Right. And yeah. so go all the way back to the beginning in the very, very beginning. It was like slapsticky nonsense. Yeah. Right. Charlie Chaplin right. fatty Arbuckle shit like that. And then came fucking Red Fox and people like, Oh shit. Lenny and Bruce, Lenny, Lenny Bruce Fox, and yeah. George Carlin. Yeah. So those were the original badasses and right. then it pivoted. Then it pivoted in the mainstream was Cosby Paula Poundstone you know, these, Jerry Seinfeld, these Robin cleaned Williams. up. Well, nah, no, Robin, no, but yeah, Robin wasn't really raw until nah. later. Right. Um, he didn't really get raw, like really filthy and shit until he was in his 40s or 50s. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, the mainstream became very polished. And this is when the suit and tie boom happened the first time. Yeah. Then that led to mm-hmm. the, the resurgence of raw, edgy comedy that came yeah. out with Patrice and Attell and Burr and, and Colin yeah. Quinn and, and all those guys came out of that. And then that led to the beta male yeah. era of comedy in the mid-2000s, which sort of started with Dane Cook. And not that Dane was one of those sort of beta male comics, but Dane was the yeah. first comic who said, uh, well, you don't have to be one of these beta hardcore guys, you can be a little more silly and a little bit more goofy. You could also be handsome because he was considered very handsome at the time. And, and so then people started looking at comedians like Hollywood actors and saying, we want good looking guys who are clean, who are not offensive, who can be put in movies and do these other things. And then it pivoted back to kind of pussy men in the mid two thousands. And then here we are 10 years later and you're watching the pendulum slowly go back the other way where where a guy like Tim Dillon who is and I I say this with all love Tim Dillon is like a Colin Quinn reboot a ranty political angry and I think he's I think he's 10 times funnier than I think I think Tim Dillon is like if you took Colin and Patrice and put them together and it was a fat white dude who sucked in. that's Tim Dillon yeah yeah
2: like he's like this guy that fucks twinks, but also talks like he's like fucking, you know, like he can bang your chick and yes, yes.
1: So, so this sort of alpha, right. the alpha nature of comedy is coming back, and then that. So it's sort of like now is the time for guys like myself, hmm. Sam Tripoli, uh, Luis J. Gomez, yeah. Big Joe said Like the market is there for people like us now, and we have about a ten-year window now to make something of ourselves before the pussiness comes back.
2: When's the market for tall dudes man because i am really looking for that <laughs> I know back in the day like tall guy like Dane cooks a tall guy uh Gary Goldman is monstrous yeah um they, you could turn, uh, yeah, like, turn that you turn that you can
1: turn that light back on that
2: it's killing me it's bright shit. uh so like it's six foot. um he's i think Okerson's like six three but like yeah like and even like today like the, the also there's a new sub i'm o- I'm only
1: six feet tall and I'm a fucking monster in Hollywood. yeah man
2: you're not fucking monster, you're a big bearded ginger monster, dude.
1: I I I uh I think uh but they
2: like guys like the heavier set guys are coming back. I think that's like a subcategory. Like you got your Kreishers, your Segura's. Um well Tom what's Dylan. interesting
1: about Segura is Segura is a guy who's kind of penetrated through all of it because Tom can play all the rooms. Like yeah. Tom actually started doing a lot of the alt rooms that the mm-hmm. guys I was just talking about were doing. Like I when I moved to LA. I didn't meet Segura at the A-Clubs. I met Segura doing the off-strip shows that were a lot of the dudes I talked about. It. Segura would be on shows with Pete Holmes and Kyle Kinane and Kumail and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't, you know, he would go on the road with Russell Peters. He would go on the road with um, Rogan and mm-hmm. open for those guys. And it really wasn't until your mom's house that he got pushed into the the, the top stratosphere yeah. of comedians. Yeah, he lost weight too. I think that kind of helped. I think uh, he was just like, oh, "I lost
2: weight, so fuck you guys. I'm the top now."
1: But you know, the the thing is, is like people that are truly, undeniably funny survive right. the ebbs and flows, right? Yeah, um, yeah. They and and you know, I I think some some of the difficulty for me, uh, maybe I don't know if this is a mistake in my career, but I can switch gears from one kind of room to the next. So if you look at my performance, like when I if I do the main room at the store, I'm a lot more sort of forceful. I'm a lot more gregarious. And then if you look at like the clip that I have, uh, that's online, that's at a club called M bar or not M bar. Sorry. It was, uh, M M bars, M Bar's been, been closed forever. Um, it was a place called Malo Cantina in Silver Lake, which is kind of a more alti type room. Yeah. And so my delivery is a little bit more tongue in cheek, a little bit more clever, a little bit more sarcastic. And so, um, i've i've I kind of have bounced back and forth mm. um depending on the room I've been in and I don't know if that's a good thing or not because I think sometimes people look at that and go well this person's still figuring out who they are and and I disagree rather I think, than yeah. like hybrid kind of but i I try to curate the show to the audience like if it's yeah. a if it's a smart I, audience I want to do smart material if it's a rowdy audience I want to do you know edgy shit right I think you're just good at reading the room and that's what you have to do uh
2: so. My first ever open mic, uh, <laughs> I didn't, like, I didn't, think you know, this is like, you know, the uh, trial by fire. I, I walked in this uh, place, like, it's a little college town. You know, it's not that big of a college. It's not even a well-known college. But uh, I went there, and it was, like, 21-year-old, like, college kids in this, uh, this bar. And I said, you know, there's not much of a 36-year-old man with two kids uh, and, and who is also a husband or whatever, father have in common with a 21 19 year old college kid uh so i re- i didn't read the room i just said ah we'll just we'll just wing it and i winged it <laughs> and i did my set and it was they're so they didn't get any of the references i'm like fuck so that was like i said like you you come in and you read the room and you changed it up and you have to adapt man because like i have a feeling like that's just not that's just every comic they when they they see what's in the room Um, and they, they just like adjust fire and you have to to survive in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it is, that is true. It's, um, you know, and, and I think there's a thing of like reading the room is good. I think you have to be cautious about how much you let it influence you because sometimes it can take you away entirely from, you know, who you are and what you want to do and what you want to be. And so, that's all i'm saying is like i do think there are times where i have allowed that to happen where you know i sort of like let let the the shift of the room kind of alternate what i do and sometimes um you know maybe you should just say fuck it and do something that's sort of the opposite of what you think the room would want too so yeah. you know it's kind of like um it's kind of like the poker mentality of like you always want to be leading you always want to be Dictating the behavior, and so yeah. sometimes you know you just have to make that adjustment and say, "I know everybody here seems very alty or that seems like the audience, yeah. but maybe I'll just take it a different direction." And mm. you know, I think I think when you look at the greats, they kind of they they kind of have that consistent style. But I don't know. I mean, I, I've I've always liked that I have some jokes that sort of fit the smart rooms, and then yeah. I have some jokes that are for the meatheads as well. Yeah. So yeah, you know, and because because I feel like. I feel like I'm a blend of those things. I feel like I'm I'm 50% meathead and 50% very smart person. And, and my comedy is like a mixture of those two things. Yeah. For someone who does like martial
2: arts and I've you know, done sports my whole life and been in the military, I'm like 95% meathead. Um, <laughs> but it comes with the territory of also like I'm, I'm able to, I understand that I'm a Neanderthal and I can make fun of myself. And that's what people enjoy. You, when you do that, you don't want to go overboard with the deprecation because now you're like, oh, well, this dude doesn't really take himself that seriously, like, or he doesn't really, um, he really thinks this, like, he has low self-esteem. You don't want to get in that area. But I come to the like, the thing is, like, I want everybody to like feel like they're like part of, like, they're they're welcome, and I understand them and I relate to them sometimes it doesn't really work out because like again, I'm not a nineteen year old college kid, so that's really hard for me to adjust.
1: Well the relatability piece is the piece that's sort of not negotiable with comedy. And what I mean by that is like you can be a lot of different things, but you've got to either have thoughts that people relate to, or you have to have perspective that people relate to, because without those things, you're just a weird comedian. And right. and you're then you're kind of relying entirely on your um, charisma and your delivery and everything else and so like there are comics like that like people don't love Maria Bamford because they can relate to her Hmm. they love her because she's so unique and so silly and so original and she's just flat out entertaining but it takes a lot of fucking talent to be a Maria Bamford and I don't think a lot of people can be that kind of comic and I'm trying to think like oh, uh, the male equivalent would be like a Zach Galifianakis like it takes Like you can't just decide that you're going to be a Zach Galifianakis type of comic, or mm-hmm. or even like an Anthony Jesselnick, like somebody who is so into this sort of character that they play. Mm-hmm. It takes a tremendous amount of talent to do that, and you know, I've I've never been somebody who's like would would ever try to hold myself out like that. And I have always felt like if I've ever tried to be too clever with shit, right? Um.
0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That's where it goes south. Like if I ever try to be too cute or too clever with something, the audience doesn't buy it because I just don't seem like that guy. I try not to like think too hard
2: on a a joke and and get that like letting it flow. Because like I think for me, and this is going to sound weird, Like, so I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and it's a flow sport where you have to just, when the opponent comes at you, you have to adjust to their body mechanics and their style. And you don't, you're not trying to kill each other. So that's, it's like a, it's like, you know, flowing water, but like the same thing. And I I approach comedy the same way. You have to let the the audience come at you and how you feel that the, the aura, so to speak, and you, you adjust, you just fire to that. And it's, it's kind of like a give or take situation where it's like how much are you how much are you gonna give me and how much am I gonna take and vice versa?
1: Well, I think so much of life is that. I mean yeah. so that's the thing that's so great about martial arts and and you know i I don't have kids of my own, but I tell all of my friends and most of my friends who have kids are single mothers, and I'm like the best thing you can do for your child is get them into martial arts at the age of like five or four. Because the, the, it'll teach them personal discipline, it'll teach them res- responsibility, it will teach them restraint, it will teach them how to channel their aggression productively. I mean, if, if there was anything I could go back and do over, it, I would have gotten into martial arts way younger, and I would have stayed with it way longer. I say, I think everybody, like I encourage everybody, not just jujitsu, but
2: pretty much like you know whatever martial art you can be karate, taekwondo. Before, when I when I I did a, I did a keto. Uh, Yeah, I
1: did a keto when I was uh, like a 10 or 11 for about a year. Right. Some
2: people take that and use it and some people end up being Steven Seagal. Uh, So,
1: (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll I'll let you guess which one I ended up with.
2: (laughs) And somewhere in between somewhere, not him. Thank God. Uh, but, uh, no, like he, well, so, I got into
1: ice hockey or I got into hockey specifically and then later ice hockey, but I got into hockey and that's when I kind of, I walked away from both football and martial arts when I got into hockey because yeah. I just but loved I mean, it more in general, man. I think
2: that everybody should like play a sport, you know, but like martial arts and, and, and specifically because before I I signed up, like I was in, like, I was just like this drunk military guy who just partied. Like he was in college all the time and I had no like purpose. And goals. They, they said military builds discipline, but only if you allow it to. And me, I was just like, nah, you know, whatever. I just like the, whatever. So yeah. then, like, I found martial arts, and it gave me purpose. It gave me like confidence. Like, I mean, like, I was a very insecure person, you know, before that. You know, I had like it was like false bravado. And then like mil- the, the the military, like was like all a lot of military guys are like false bravado, you know. But like, but when you come into like martial arts, there is no you leave your ego at the door and everybody's the same and you know it's like oh man you know what we're we're i'm no better than him he's no better than me and we start off we're both white belts and we start going then we become friends and like there's this like this brotherhood and and meanwhile you're both learning how to like you know not only defend yourself but like your 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 mind changes as soon as you start like with that your discipline when you start getting discipline your your whole entire like brain chemistry changes like i started eating healthier i started like um, doing even like outside weight lifting cardio. Um, and do I stopped you, smoking. I stopped smoking cigarettes. I used to. Dip do you think?
1: Like- do you think part of that though is because? And and I'll just throw this out there as someone who you know struggles with the getting in shape thing. With the you know, I've been up and down the last ten years constantly. I think that the reason jujitsu has that effect on people. Cause my buddy, Tony Venn, who's a comic as well, started doing it and he kind of had a similar response to it. He took like a, he had like a free class offer or something, went and did it and then like jumped into it with both feet. It's like completely changed his health and his lifestyle. And here's what I think it does. And correct me if I'm wrong. The thing about combat is you understand the peril at, at hand because of your physical limitations, right. like you generally, like if I if it's like oh if I can't lift something, it's like it's fine. I figure it out, right? I'll or I'll you know I'll come back to it later. I'll give it another go. If I um you know if I get out if I get winded doing something physical, there aren't dire consequences to that. Yeah. When you're in combat with another human and you feel overpowered and you feel almost like victimized by your own body's inability to perform. I think that that puts a seed in your head of like, oh fuck, like this is a severe issue. Like these yeah. physical limitations now, and and I think to have them tested against another person is the deciding thing. Is to say, oh my god, another human being just inflicted their fucking will upon me. <laughs> That's terrifying, and I don't want that. It's like
2: throwing, like it's the same to me. Like when I first started, it, it was like you throwing a toddler. Into a pool for the first time.
1: I'm glad you brought this up because we just had a whole me and the missus just had a whole fucking conversation about this last night.
2: (laughs) So like, just like throwing a toddler into the water, and you know, like you're you're gonna either you swim or you drown. And it's the same thing like with martial art with jujitsu. It's like you are you don't jujitsu and anything combat combat sports related in that high stress will show you who your true self. You know, really is. Um, yeah, it'll show you who you really are, and not to say that you are this really, but it'll show you how much of a pussy you are. Um, it shows you like how much of a coward you are, how much you're willing to take, and how how often you're willing to quit. Which in jujitsu is, and that's and that's fine. So in a way, it's making you confront
1: yourself, is what right. you're saying.
2: You are not battling your opponent; you're battling yourself. And in a combat, like in a situation where, like, this dude can very well. In a real fight, kill me. And that that brings perspective. So now you like, and even in the military, like when we face, you know, training for combat and combat situations where that enemy wants to kill us. And and it it triggers something in the the freeze, fight or flight situation. What are you going to do? Are you going to pussy out? Are you going to fight? And a lot of humans are not in, in our life, in our bubble in America. We're not tested we're not tested at all at all. We, there's a lot of people go through life who have never been through any kind of adversity. who have yeah. never been any kind of physical strife at all. They just go through life. Everything's fine, which is a lot to me, in my opinion, a lot of the less problem.
1: Now, yeah. My opinion. Like, No, the- I, I think you're a hundred percent right, man. I think you're a hundred percent right. Um, you know, the, uh, the, it's an insane thing right here. I'm going to see, can you hear that audio when it plays? I don't know if you can. I I don't know if the viewers can, they might be able to. I'm going to try to um, I want to try to pull up a clip. I I've, I've not done this on a show before, so let me see if I can figure it out. But I've done it on Zoom because I think people need to see this if they're not familiar with it. I'm so glad you brought up the uh throwing a toddler in a pool. It's uh-huh. not even toddlers, it's infants. And so like uh Isn't I the, one where the th- infants start swimming no, well, no, it's a, there's one, uh, this might be the one I'm looking at now, the one you're talking about where she literally, oh yeah, no, here it is. So yeah, this shit is terrifying. Let me see if I can share my screen application window. Here we go. Here's this. Let me um, kind of do it like that. I want to add this in. Yeah, let me pull this up. This woman got death threats. Oh, Here we go. Thanks. Oh yeah, cool. This is very cool. So this woman got death threats for doing this, uh, but she's just what? And it started.
2: Is she? And it, and it got on its back, and it started. Yeah, it started floating.
1: so apparently like uh my um my girlfriend saw this for the first time yesterday and was like what the fuck and i was like oh yeah i've seen that before and i think i remember seeing this when that lady did it but apparently it's like entirely based on like babies have this instinct yeah to float on their back and to try to breathe and it's so weird to me and and so then we got into the whole conversation of like Oh my God! If somebody did that to to our kid, what would you do? Or what would you you know? It's like, well, you know, uh, number one, this is the evil side of me. I would be like, well, if the kid learns to swim, that's great, and he's tough, and it proves that there's some sort of you know intrinsic survival thing, even for babies. And if he doesn't make it, we own the YMCA forever. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you think,
2: like, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, in the in the dawn of humans, like? I would imagine that we had when we had to uh, learn how to swim pretty fucking early to, to evade you know get away from predators, yeah and it's the same thing no different than dogs I mean, like like puppies, like my puppy I just got she knows how to swim. how the fuck did she learn that? I didn't teach her so yeah like how, how why would it not be in an infant child you know? I think it's just the fact that the
1: woman just like palms the baby and just Bleh, and
2: fucking just, like volleyball sh- kind of like like yeah bo- volleyball spiked it a little bit into the pool which of yeah. like I can understand where like what the fuck is that for but
1: yeah yeah right. like if it didn't out
2: we'd all be pissed
1: but yeah of course out. like it's gonna be fine until the one time it doesn't work and then everyone's gonna be like well of course bitch like and I was saying like there's got to be some moment. Like there's going to be some situation where the timing is off and the baby just happens to sort of like inhale as it's also, hitting the water. You could find out how retarded your infant son's going to be. If they
2: don't. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it might be a better, listen, maybe we just found the solution to late term abortion. If right. you don't want the baby, have it, Listen. throw it in the pool. If it exactly. floats up, then it's they a did winner.
2: It they fucking threw kids off cliffs we're just more humane that way
1: yeah if it turns around and floats you know you got a winner if it doesn't make it uh, uh, darwinism
2: well if it does make it somehow but like it like it just it barely hangs on just like you know that kid's probably not gonna grow up to be really smart so just prepare for life of them not being intelligent
1: yeah, if yeah, I mean, so you could probably save yourself a lot of heartache and trouble by yeah. doing it that way. Little sure. Johnny's not going to Harvard, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, if he can't sw- well, you know, that's funny too. But uh did you see that um one of my favorite things? Did you see that clip of uh what was it? Um oh god. It it's the new Reno 911. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it's on it's on uh Quibi or whatever mm-hmm. yeah and uh it's shorts but there's a clip that I saw it's of like Jonesy um <laughs> who like runs up and it's a white lady called people on black kids in the pool it's Like there's black kids in the pool, and he's like, "Woman, you gotta stop calling the cops on black people all the time. They're, they're not <laughs> bothering you. What the fuck is wrong with you? What's wrong? What are the black kids doing?" And she's like, "They're drowning." He's like, "Black babies." He's like, "It's <laughs> so funny." I
2: gotta watch
1: that, dude. It's the funniest that, clip ever. Uh, <laughs> but, dude, did you see? Did you see the clip of the cougar of the mountain no. lion? Oh, the one chasing the guy who was yeah. walking backwards and filming it. I don't know if it's like
2: some weird human instinct when that motherfucker rose up and like did that thing where he just kind of like, like, yeah, lunged, basically lunged
1: at him. Yeah, Yeah, it was
2: lunged at him. And I'm like thinking the whole fucking time. There's literally boulders sitting next to you. Why didn't you pick up one of those earlier and chunk it at the motherfucker?
1: Yeah, I mean. You know, I, it's you, it's kind of weird. This is a weird thing to share, but I'll tell you what, man. I have this sort of like recurring – it's not even a dream. It's like a recurring vision. Every time I walk out the front door of my house, I it's like I'm, I'm waiting for a cougar or a mountain lion to have come down because right. we don't live far from the mountains in Burbank. Right. I'm just like – one of these days, we have this like big outdoor garbage uh, area where everyone yeah. goes and throws their trash and it's walled in. And yeah. I'm like, I'm waiting for the day when there's enough raccoons and coyotes in there to lure out a mountain lion. And I'm waiting for the day that a fucking mountain lion is just walking in front of my apartment when I come out. And, Dude, uh, you know, I, I, I've I've had uh, I had friends when the fires happened a couple of years ago said that they had to shoot one in their yard because it came down and was like attacking their dogs. Yeah yeah they, people forget uh, those things are up there man like they' you're, you're walking around in downtown Burbank and you forget you're like you know less than you're Maryland. probably three football fields from families of mountain lions where I live
2: in Maryland there's not we don't have like cougars, but we have like coyotes um you know and they're they like one of one coyote they're probably like forty pounds they're kind of bitch dogs you know but like when they're in a pack they're fucking they don't give a fuck and they're hungry usually too. So that we had stray cats in my neighborhood. There's no more stray cats because the coyotes have eaten them all. Um so but then like they're in DC too. Like they're like their coyotes coming in DC and we like to call those politicians uh but the, the that's uh <laughs> they that's neither here or there but like the they have the, in actual cities and coyotes uh are coming into like like DC, Baltimore too because they're fucking hungry and the cities are expanding out and destroying their habitat. But like I, like, have a, like, not a real, like, I guess I kind of have a weird, uh like, my it gets pitch black dark in my neighborhood. And then before COVID, I drive to work, and I drive to Baltimore, and, like, I live in a part where it's really pitch black dark around here. Um, there's no street lights, no moonlight, nothing. So come outside, and I'm always afraid, like, I'm going to get jumped by these coyotes that don't, <laughs> they don't really, they just kind of come out and, like, you know, if, I mean, if I make a big, loud noise, they'll go away because they're kind of like pussies, you know? But, like, yeah. I just have that thing. Then one of my neighbors one year was like, yeah, you know,
1: we saw a bear
2: not too long ago. Uh, I'm like, I'm sorry. Did you just say a bear?
1: That, that's the crazy thing about how difficult it is to carry a gun in California is, like, you'd have to get a special sheriff's exemption to carry a gun on your own property, I think. Oh Maybe I'm wrong. To carry it. Um you know, if even if you lived in a part like not far from here, if you go up to Tahunga Canyon, uh, that's all super rural, it's like ranch area yeah. properties and stuff. So, like, if you lived up there, you would have you would probably should carry a pistol on your property, uh, in the event that something like that shows up. Whether be- my brother lives in San Diego and uh, he. He's a animal control
2: officer and um so he carries so he knows stuff. because he, he gets knows. the
1: calls when when somebody like me is like uh there's a mountain lion in my garbage. Yeah, he's had those calls
2: before. Um he's had coyotes, he's had uh you know other other like I don't know. He said he had a call of a bear. You fucking uh, mut- yeah, did. bears. But I don't know what I don't know what you want me to do with that, but uh, a bear can do whatever the fuck it wants. So.
1: <laughs> right? You call animal control for a bear? They're like, listen, you are on your. We don't do well, bears. Someone,
2: one of my friends, like says, sharks. They're it,
1: like, what do you want me to do? Go in the water and fight them all?
2: Like, yeah, exactly. And then my one of my friends was like, well, I didn't even know they had bears in California. It's like they literally have a fucking bear on their flag. Yeah,
1: like it's you, a lot of bears. Yeah, so and, uh, especially in West Hollywood, if you've ever been there, <laughs> shit yeah, ton yeah, yeah, of yeah.
2: them. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So one of our, yeah, it was one of our commenters here just said this. I'm in Arizona and I have to carry when I walk my dogs, coyotes, and javeli- yeah, javelina. Yeah, Havelina pigs. People don't think about wild pigs, dude, but oh, yeah. Texas and shit has those wild hogs that are fucking uh, terrifying, man. Those things are huge.
2: Crazy person, Tim Kennedy, that guy's a psychopath, but... He's hilarious, yeah. but also a psychopath. And he was, and I, I love him to death. L- love listening to him talk. But like he, uh, was talking about he goes on these hunts with in a helicopter in Texas and just mows down, like with I guess um I don't know if he said he used uh AR-15s, but uh he was just they
1: were just mowing down
2: like these like packs of wild hawks. Yeah, feral hawks. And I'm like I didn't even. He's like no, there's millions of them.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a real problem. And and yeah, he's been on Rogan talking about that a couple times where it's like they they he's like we could kill a million a, a week and we would still be you know, it's it's an exaggeration but. And Rogan came as
2: soon as he said that. Like Rogan was like, "Oh, yeah, let's go. Do it."
1: Go. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "I'll go kill some pigs." Oh, let's go do um, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um like, Yeah, it's like, it's that shit is wild to me, man. I mean, it's like, you know, we Very seldom do we find ourselves in nature to the degree where we understand and respect how fragile human life is and how quickly it can be taken from you. And that is absolutely a a sort of privilege of westernized civilization of where we live in these big cities. And you know, the the thing you got to worry about is getting hit by a car or a truck or getting shot by a stray bullet. You don't stop to think that there's also like grizzly bears less than a mile from your doorstep. Yeah. And for what, who knows what chain of events, what sort of butterfly look effect at, could have at, you walking out your, your doorstep and finding a bear in your trip. People find them in their fucking pools in LA all the dude, time.
2: I saw that. I saw the dude like there's bears, like people showing bears, not even, it was I, I thought this was like Alaska. It turns out it was just like somewhere in Pennsylvania where like, a in,
1: bear. They sneak in your backyard. They get they in your pools. And your they neighbor, start blowing each other. No, I'm kidding. They fuck, yeah, they be, a bunch of bear fucking like you know. Different. I'm bears. not talking
2: about like gay bears and like Pornhub. I'm talking yeah. about actual furry bears. You know, like like these Well, guys, those are on Pornhub too. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. They definitely are. But uh, so the bears like I think things. One, this guy came up. This bear came up and the they, they started eating. Like they have They were having an outdoor picnic in their backyard. But the bear was like, Ah, this is mine now. So like, what are you going to do? That's a five, 600 pound bear. And he's like, that's like, oh, you know, oh, you live here. Cool. Guess what? Now I do. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's that, that's, a, I think it's terrifying, but I also think that's kind of good. Like it should make people like, you should appreciate the fact that by being indoors and being at home, you're, you're safe and, and you know, you've yeah. got to. You've got an added layer of safety that I think sometimes we take for granted. COVID has saved a
2: lot of people. I mean, I, I mean honestly, not I mean it's killed a lot of people, It also saved people from uh, Darwinism from like walking outside and getting hit by a fucking car or Yeah, you know, it's whatever.
1: it's interesting that you said that too. The other thing that was like I, I don't know how it was on the East Coast, but um like the the first 90 days of uh, COVID, so like when June started or whatever. Yeah. It was like it was beautiful outside. The air had never felt more fresh and clean. You know, the the skies were never bluer. It was literally like 30 days of m- like minimized emissions and travel. Yeah. Completely healed the I'm atmosphere. Not so
2: and David Attenborough started talking, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, he's just like, look at the beautiful, look at the beautiful trees that have managed to grow back. And like, I so, saw people fucking in the middle of the street. It yeah, was wild. like, and these two beautiful humans fucking in the middle of the street, but like he, that, uh, like this Instagram account I follow called nature is metal. Um, you have to look it up. It's fucking cool. It's like they, they get, I don't know, these guys are, and they take these photographs, beautiful photographs of like nature at its finest. Like sometimes you'll see a lion with a gazelle hanging out of its mouth bloodied. And I'm like, how is Instagram allowing this? But then I guess they're under the understanding like, Hey man, this is nature, you know? So then nature is metal has said multiple times, listen, we can, well, people were like, Whoa, how come you don't stop these animals from killing these gazelles? And they were like, we're messing up the natural order of nature. You know, like, we can't do that. Yeah, like, right. And in the animal kingdom, it doesn't work like that. There's no empathy, and who are we to stop
0: that?
1: Well, you know, there's a couple different schools of thoughts on that in terms of preservation is, like, you know, do you have to regulate, you know, is, is our human influence to sort of regulate the amount of predator, um, you know, killing things to the point of extinction? Right. Uh, some people believe yes. Some people believe, like, if it gets to the point where you have, you know, predators in the wild that are hunting species to the point of extinction, then right. hu- humans' ability to kind of push on that should be to, you know, kill some of those predators and prevent them from extincting other species. But it, yes, to your point, that is not the natural order of things. That is not, yeah. that, that does disrupt the natural order of things. And, you know, you could argue that the technological advancements that human beings have made over the last 200 years, we'll call it, um have actually stunted our evolution because mm. we are building technology to comfort us mm-hmm. and to make our lives easier rather than uh being forced to evolve right. to nature so you you know you could think about that concept uh, a lot of different ways but i i do think that technology will slow evolution mm. and definitely and if anything we will start to evolve into a far more uh fat you know slow uh mm. intellectually smart but physically dumb and physically stunted everybody society. in the western
2: world i think everybody on the the eastern plane will be fine um i maybe um but like <laughs> more that goes the point to like like going back to like battling adversity and like never having to deal with that like we are living in this bubble that nature doesn't live in they the yeah. animals battle you know for their life every day whether even when you're a predator, because a predator can starve to death if there's not enough food. And, right. Uh it's the right. same thing with us. Like even like we are our, our bodies biologically, like we're not immune to like again, COVID happened and this, out of nowhere and we weren't prepared. Like and it's the same thing, like when you walk outside your door and you have the fear of getting eaten by a mountain lion. Not saying that's gonna happen, but it very well could.
1: Never, if it ever if it ever did, I would be like, you know what, I predicted this. I, I I'm would, a, I would sage. believe I was psychic right yeah. before I died. I'm a uh, a, I'm a sage. I knew this was as he's eating your heart, but you yeah. Know. Um yeah. <laughs> you just said that it made me think of this story. all the times Joe Rogan tells stories about how bears eat people dick first.
2: Dick um, and asshole,
1: yeah. Yeah, they just go crotch first. Well Yeah. That's or, what I was or,
2: thinking today. Like uh my 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 little puppy is like she's very nippy and she's only like eight weeks old, but like she uh, went for my son's you-know-what, and I said, "Well," and I <laughs> my, I would go, yeah, well, that's what animals do, and she goes, you know, you watch way too much Joe Rogan. I don't think that, I think that she just, it was an accident. Like, no, 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 no that's what animals do, because Joe Rogan said it. <laughs> Bro science. Bro science. I'm like, you know, I'm yeah, not one man. of those guys that go, yeah, Joe Rogan is God, but, you know, like, uh, I like, I make fun of guys like that who are just like, yeah, man, I've just been really into Rogan, and uh, I listen to his podcast, you know, it really makes sense, and like, do you listen to it for him or do you listen to it for his guests?
1: Yeah, well I think, you know, I think uh I think ultimately the thing about Rogan is that it's really good because I do think it introduces and has introduced a lot of people to shit they otherwise would have not ever taken interest in and not ever learned anything about. So, yeah. you know, it's sort of like uh his show is kind of like smart subjects for dummies and <laughs> it's like it no i mean it's like it's it it makes information that otherwise seems unaccessible or disinteresting to you yeah. accessible and interesting and so like i never i never in a million years would think to look up a sleep scientist and that episode no. he had with that guy no. um is probably the most uh, impactful episode i've heard in a long time because i watched it and was like Oh my god! I didn't realize how much my my poor sleep has affected my biology for the last right. probably twenty five years.
2: Yeah, I and, see, uh, that 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 makes sense because like me with nutrition because like Rhonda Patrick was on there, and when she's on, I'm like I'm glued. Um, but this is my my Neanderthal brain. Like I'm when I was glued to her, but I was just like you know when others come on like Neil deGrasse Tyson, that was pretty cool. Then. Mike Tyson was on there, and I'm like, I'm like, literally want to be in the fucking camera. Like, like, <laughs>
1: like this is how like you yeah, move. Mike Tyson bro. Like, yeah, I gotta uh, watch. I gotta watch that one in the Roy Jones. It was terrifying.
2: One. Literally fucking terrifying. Any Halloween movie you see, not
1: as terrifying as
2: Mike Tyson, who's ready to go to fucking war. Well, before
1: so, we well before we get out of here, let me get your thoughts on that. Who do you think is going to win that fight between Tyson and Roy Jones Jr.? So. Me growing up in the 90s, late '90s, like
2: Roy Jones Jr. was the king of uh, the, the middleweights and the light heavyweights, but he never faced anyone quite as terrifying and physically imposing as and skilled as Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson is a different. There's a once in a lifetime kind of guy that trickles down from the heavens and enters this body where it's like per, I call it Mike Tyson was a perfect storm, right?
1: And uh. Well, I he think so a, much of it is mental for Mike yeah, Tyson he as well. was a perfect
2: storm that came from poverty in Brownsville, New York. And then he had this old white guy that trained him and put hypnotized him, basically to believing that he was the greatest of all time at 12 years old, at post, post-juvenile detention center. And it was just, like I said, a perfect storm. He like packed on all this muscle at 14. He looked like a 25-year-old grown man. Um, and he's just killing people. And like Roy Jones has never faced anything quite like that. In his career. And I think, and I don't think, like, Roy Jones is probably thinking, no, it's just an exhibition. Mike Tyson does not think this is an exhibition. He may say that to Rogan. He knows this, I know it's an exhibition, but it's not. He, like, he's laying like, his brains, like, as soon as I step on those ropes, I'm going to war. And I think that's the Mike Tyson that shows up. And I think it's going to be, a, I think he's going to knock him out in the first round.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting, too, because I there are some people that think that Tyson is in such amazing shape and is so mentally carved. That the dude could actually make a run for a title.
2: He could. Uh, he said that he won't, but like that when that you start to get that itch, you know, because when I had my first fight and uh, you know, it was an exhibition, but like I, you know, I did okay, but I didn't do as well as I thought. And I'm like, you know, a month later I got the itch. I was like, shit. I can actually do this for a career. I can keep going. I'm like, wait, Matt, you're 36. What the fuck are you talking about? But, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, that But like, he's getting that itch where he's 53 years old. And I'm like, dude, like, dude, it's like a good point that Rogan said to one of his friends. He's like, do you, when you are growing up, did you ever see a 53 year old man look like that? I know I have him. They all had beer bellies. Like, right. know, I'm looking, I'm looking at my dad who's 60. He has a beer belly, you know? Yeah. I,
1: yeah, exactly. So you know, it's uh, you know, it, I I really think the age, the age is just a number thing is becoming more and more true every day with science, with with what we know about nutrition, with what we yeah. know about what do we know about the human body. I mean, yeah, I, I think we're going to get to a point where, you know, I think in fifty years' time, it's not going to be unheard of for a human to live over one hundred and twenty years old. And I
2: think that's how we combat this complacency we get with technology, as we previously discussed. I think that's how we combat that. Like if like humans are going to be fat and lazy. I think if we have a better understanding of nutrition and genetics, um, and plus, like, I would say even more of a, like, um, how they use, like, not, s- like, stem cells, like, stuff like that for, like, uh, repairment and growth and uh, recovery, we can, in the next 50 years, we're going to be superhuman. And hopefully we don't become like it was in Wally where the humans were, like, being mo- moved around by robots or whatever.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. As far as uh, as far as fights go, well, you and I had a good back and forth about Costa Adesanya. That I, that ended up going the way I thought. Uh, it went correct. went the way I thought earlier than than what I had predicted. I thought it was going to go. I thought he was going to beat the shit out of him, tire him out for five rounds, and I thought it was going to go to decision, and Adesanya was going to win on points. Uh, I I didn't even. You know, I didn't think for a second that, that Costa would not have been able to take those leg kicks, See, uh, and that they were as devastating to him as they were, and basically w- were what led to the end of the fight. I mean, I gotta,
2: I'm gonna break it down because, like, I don't know a lot of your audiences uh, if they are maybe new to yeah, MMA or don't, yeah, maybe
1: cat probably casual. I don't think sure. Don't, so there's nothing about me that I think generates any kind of significant yeah, MMA, yeah. but so, like, but for people that. You know, you talk about it a lot on your podcast. I'll plug your podcast. Actually, that's not it. I looked it up and that's not your uh oh, shit. your I'm handle. Sorry. It is uh this. Um yeah, there we go. Save. There's the link for your podcast. Um so people can SR at yeah. I mean. yeah, that's what it is. you don't even know
2: that? No, I didn't know I had an SR. I must have I have to look that up. That must have been an error.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um I looked yeah. it up, and that's what popped up, so it's weird.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, yeah, because I think that's where – no, no, it's right. That's weird what is on our SR. That, no, it was right the first time.
2: Yeah. I was like, I was like, I, I'm, I am a senior because I'm the only one, but uh, the, that's what the SR – No, uh, it is, it like.
1: is yeah. just that. That's weird. Hmm. Yeah. So My phone is lying to me. So, yeah, and you talk about MMA, I think, on your podcast a lot more sure. than I do. So if people are interested in that, they should check yeah, yeah. out your podcast. Um,
2: just just to, you know, elaborate on like the leg kicks real quick, like how he was able to effectively use them like leg kicks are people don't understand. They're like, oh, he's just leg kicking with that. That's some pussy shit. Let me explain to you that a, new, a normal average person can only take about you ever been charlie horse. You, you can only take about three or four to that inner meat right there. And before you can't walk the next day. So
1: so Costa had with anybody who's ever had bad shin splints. If you ever went on a vicious hike and you had bad shin splints the next day, you know how painful lower leg pain can be. Most army veteran
2: most veterans have that shin splints, uh because of running. But like, yeah, so like he kicks you there. You're unable to actually pivot to throw power punches. You can't move against the cage around, you can't do you can't circle around. You can't, there's no power, there's no functionality, you can't run away. And he's he's dead to right. You're dead to rights, and that's what he did. That was his game plan: just take the legs out. He can't move. Bam, knockout. And I didn't expect the Adesanya to knock him out, but also don't think the Costa the Costa I was used to seeing fight Yolo Romero didn't even fucking show up.
1: I think Israel Adesanya has sneaky Conor McGregor power. Like Conor yes, McGregor does. is very wiry, very thin, and doesn't look yeah. powerful. But I think his technique is so solid that it's not that he's hitting you hard, it's that he's hitting you flush, and he's hitting you square where it matters. He's precision. So he precision. He's had over 100 uh, kickboxing fights uh,
2: before he came to MMA. I mean, he is a tactician. He said it himself. He's like, everybody has power. He's like, but what I have is precision. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but you know what? You have never faced a guy like Costa. And then he fought, then Adesanya fought Yola Romero, who's like a carbon copy. And I was like, oh, wait. Yoel's not very t- tactically sound And neither is Costa. He's just like Just swing for the fucking fences and, right. like, yeah. and then when you said Like I think he's gonna pick him part, Taking the decision I was like Maybe B-
1: Because I think Costa lands one
2: He didn't even land one He didn't even throw one fucking punch
1: Yeah he got He got Uh he just got embarrassed, and then to add insult to injury, he got dry hump embarrassed at the end of the fight, oh, which man, I thought that was, was hilarious.
2: Hilarious! I laughed. I became an instant Adesanya fan right. After I,
1: that. I've been an Israel fan for a while. I think he's great. I think he's great for the sport. I think this. I think he's. he's I think he. I think he can be for the sport everything John Jones was supposed to be, and fucked up yeah. by making all kinds of mistakes I with drugs know, and drugs
2: and kind of out of the cage uh, cocaine, issues. Cocaine, John Jones, like you know. What well. I mean?
1: I'll tell you what. Uh, what people don't understand, because everyone's saying that's the super fight to make at two oh five, is Adesanya and John Jones. That that would probably break all the pay per view records. It but would. I, but I, I honestly, what I'll tell you is, if John Jones takes those leg kicks, he'll never walk again.
2: But I also think that John Jones is going to do what I think he's going to do. He's going to hold. He's going to take. Out of sign you to the ground and try and rip his fucking arms off.
1: Yeah, I mean that I think he's gonna try to, but what I don't think people realize is Israel is faster than Jones was in his prime. Oh, sure. And and Jones is in his third. So, you know, you people said the same thing about Costa. They said he's gonna hold him, he's gonna take him down, he's gonna hold him down, and he's gonna rip him apart. The difference is is Jones has the ability to to overcome Izzy's length. Yeah. Because he's actually taller than Adesanya by about an inch, I think. Yeah, but he's all, he's. I mean, Jones is very fast. Definitely not faster than Adesanya. N- absolutely he's not. Fast. And yeah. I think I I don't know, man. I think if I think Jones yeah. would fight the smart fight, yeah. But you you remember Jones? That was what Jones was supposed to do against Gustafson, yeah, and he didn't, and that ended up being one of the greatest fights of he all time. He tried standing. He stood. He stood with Gustafson, and almost. I mean, some people thought he lost that fight. I honestly
2: believe this day because I'm a huge Gustafson fan because, like, uh, because him and I are like the same build, same height, same weight. Like, I, me, or we're both lanky and long, and I kind of have like a style of like using my jab like he does. Um, So I was like, man, I really want this is for the tall guys, you know? Like, Like, let's do it. And then like he. It was a champ. It was a champ's advantage, man, and that just sucks with the, with judges, dude. Think
1: about judges. well, it was the like, same gonna... thing happened. It was the same thing happened in the Reyes fight. I thought oh, Reyes yeah. won that fight by far, and yeah, you know, it's like you, it's it's pretty clear that guys like John, no one like a John Jones is ever gonna lose that belt unless you take it from him. Nope. It was the same thing with Young Jacek. Young yeah. Jacek was never gonna lose that belt until somebody took it from her. She's thug never gonna Rose, lose a decision. Thug Rose, Thug Rose, twice knocked her out twice. God, that, girl,
2: that girl can like. Like people say that like I hate the how like people shit on women like female fighting. I honestly would I honestly would
1: watch a female fight over heavyweights. Rose honestly. Nami Yunus, let me let me just I'll step out on ledge and say this at, with my quote unquote expert opinion. And I love when people are like, You're fat, you don't do martial arts, you don't know. <laughs> Listen, I've been watching MMA since nineteen ninety. Okay. Right. I fucking I, I can name I could probably name you two hundred fighters you've never fucking heard of. Right. So like I study the shit. I know it. I know football too. I didn't play that in fucking college. Uh, I didn't finish um, it either. But like I I can tell you this: no one in MMA has better timing and footwork than Rose Nama Yunus. No. no one in the entire sport, man no. or woman. Rose mm-hmm. Nama Yunus has the best footwork in the entire sport of mixed martial arts. I would agree with that. I the did. way that she slipped in and out, in and out, in and out, and, and she did it to Jon Jacek, who's arguably the most prolific striker in women's MMA history, and yeah. she danced around her and knocked her the fuck out. Knocked and the her. footwork is what is why she will beat Zhang Wei Li, because Zhang Wei Li will try to bull rush Rose. She will sidestep, she will circle, her footwork will get her out of danger. And I think she's going to beat Zhang Wei by head kick. Uh, in one of the first two by in one of the first two rounds. Yeah. So because, because, uh, it's unexpected. I think Zhang Weili is not going to think she's not, she's going to think that she's not going to throw kicks because she doesn't want to get taken down because she didn't throw kicks against Andrade, but she did to Andrade in that last fight, what she was doing to her in the first fight. Yeah. And she just got fucked up in that clinch and got. You know, slammed and knocked out. And andraj
2: is a big, strong girl, man. Yeah, you know?
1: but I mean, if like Rose Namajunas could literally win that belt back, fight twenty more times, Easily. and never take any damage for the rest no. of her career, no, like no. Sh- she, she, it is. I watched her, and I was like, Muhammad Ali would have trouble boxing Rose Namajunas because her of her footwork. Is the best I've seen. Pure boxing is, is
2: best I've seen. Just nut fuck women, just like women of white. With her, men, alike,
1: with her long legs, her ability to close mm-hmm. the distance. I mean, she looks like a fucking computer. And she mental, looks like her her mental, how mentally, like, it's, it's there in. now. It's She's there like,
2: now. Mentally tapped in. To to some I don't know some form of weird fucking hypnosis. It's with focus. It's,
1: she's got this weird next level of focus, and 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 I think you liked my comment when, on her last fight. We watched yeah. it. I was like, she's the she's got the best corner in MMA because yeah. the mixture between her husband Pat. I don't know if mm-hmm. they're married, but her husband and head coach Pat and Trevor is like this perfect yeah. yin and yang of the right amount of, of the right amount of constructive criticism and the right yeah. amount of emotional support. They lift and, her up without giving her too much
2: confidence but don't beat her down. And that's what you need in a corner. Dude, Um,
1: she is, I mean, she is, when she's laser, because I think the only reason she ever lost any fights in her career was because she didn't have that level of focus. Not at all. And then when she got to that level, when she got to that level of focus and realized that she is the greatest in the world and believes it, oh my God. Such a contrast, like, difference, man. Because when she was on the Ultimate Fighter, she had long
2: hair and she would get like makeup and then she would like do her eyebrows. And she was all about like doing what, you know, what Valerie Lareda does or, uh, what's her name? Paige Van Zandt, you know, one uh, future only, only fangirls. girls. Um, yeah. but then like, she's like, fuck this shit. I'm a goddamn monk. And she shaved her head and Pat Barry got, Pat Barry got a hold of her. And he, I mean, he was great in his own right as well. But, uh, like she just tapped in and focused and became like something different, completely different. And she said, fuck all that. Um, fuck all that. You no know, superficial shit. I'm here. I'm a fighter. This is what I am bred to do. Born to do. Yeah. And I seen when I seen her, when yo, JJ was jJ's a shit talker and she's great at it, even though it's in like broken English slash Polish. Um, she's like talking shit at the stare down and Rose just doesn't even know nothing. Just
1: stoic. Nothing. Crazed I mean, Oh. I I get goosebumps watching yeah. her fight because I've never seen anyone so um, perfect. Yeah. Like she's right now, she is perfection personified for an yeah. MMA fighter, and, it's, and I don't see any hole me. in her game. I don't see there is, mm. you know, and and her, I think the fight between her and Zhang Wei might go down as the greatest MMA fight of all time because I, I think it's going to be. I, I think agree. Zhang Wei Li is going to be able to take the ass whooping. Yeah. For all five rounds, um, yeah. and I think if 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 Rose does finish her, it's going to be something spectacular like a head kick.
2: Yeah, I, I like I, she's going to get the <clears> belt back. <throat> I have a feeling. Um, my favorite female fighter right now, man, is uh, Valentina, the Bullet. Oh, she, she's a beast. She's, she's a beast. such an animal, and I I'd love mean, to
1: see. I'd love to see. Uh, what I'd love to see is if Rose beats what's her name at one twenty five. I'd like to see Zhang fight Valentina. I, I don't know how that would go down because so technically like te- she's
2: tech, like how Rose is with her hands. Valentina is with her feet, you know, yeah. and, and her, 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 uh, wrestling and grappling and, uh, just toughness, man. Is there and a way we off can throughout. get all,
1: is there a way we can get all three of them to fight each other at the same time? Yeah. That like, that let's have a be... triple threat match. WWE yes. Time. That's what we need, man. That's Tables, what ladders need. and chairs. Matt, um, it's been awesome, dude. Been awesome finally getting you on the show. Thank yeah, you man. so much for it. We'll have you. I'll have you back on. We'll do this. We'll maybe we'll make this a regular thing. We'll do this like once a month or whatever. Sure, but,
2: man. Uh, I'm down, dude.
1: Absolutely. <clears throat> It'd be great, but I got. I haven't eaten all day. I got to go get some food oh. in me. You know, because obviously I'm starving.
2: Yeah, it's also uh, three hours. But you're also three hours uh, behind. So I get it. Yeah,
1: we're getting right into it's dinner time. time for me, bro. My favorite time of the day. Well, thanks so much, man. You got anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Um,
2: Just uh, check my my podcast. Ming Podcast Podcast. on Twitter. Uh, What's that? Yeah, Twitter at Ming Podcast. I'm on iTunes. I'm on YouTube as well, Um, both video and audio. And uh, look out, uh, share my tweets. (laughs) And And
1: sometimes I say funny shit. Yeah, man. Check it out. And uh, hopefully once we get back to comedy, man, we can do something when I get out to the East Coast.
2: Dude, that would be brilliant. I'd love that.
1: Awesome, brother. Well, all right, have a good one, man.
2: All right, man, take it easy.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah.
2: I climb,
1: oh, hand over hand, closing my eyes, too scared to look down. I climb, oh, hand over hand, putting distance between. It's my life tonight Chased all-